Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to take a minute of your time to remind you about what's happening on Something New next month. For the month of July, Something New will be airing two episodes highlighting my song cycle standalone. Monday, July 7th, I'll be releasing a special behind-the-scenes look at the making of the project, and Monday, July 21st, will be the release of a really cool live performance of Standalone. Directed by Billy Bustamante, the cast includes Bill Coyne, Jenny Neal, Hansel Tan, and Marion Torres. While Standalone will be coming to you, dear listeners, for free, this is by no means a free endeavor. From booking rehearsal space to photocopying sheet music to scratching the surface of compensating my actors and musicians for their time and talents, it all adds up. So if you've ever considered clicking that little PayPal donate link on my site's podcast page, this is a really good time to do it. From the bottom of my heart, I humbly thank you for your support. Welcome and thank you for joining Something New, a musical theater podcast where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over, we chat a bit, and then we learn and record a song from one of my latest projects, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is a director, choreographer, performer, and producer. She is primarily interested in honoring musical theater's past while still finding new ways to challenge the medium. She's worked all over the country with organizations like Prospect Theater Company, TheaterWorks USA, Westchester Broadway Theater, and Surflight Theater. Last year, she launched the Choreography Lab, now in residence at the New York Theater Barn, which works to develop the storytelling abilities of theater choreographers. She is currently creating Ephemera, a piece of site-specific dance theater. She also writes the blog The Strategic Artist, a blog about time and money management for creative professionals. Obviously, I'm talking about Avital Asulin. How's it going, Avi? It's good. It's good. Thanks for being on my show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm having a good time. Good, good. How are you today? I am good. I just came from some rehearsals, so I already have been having a day of, of theater and things. I love it. Theatrical day. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Something New. I invited Avi on the show because she's a talented performer and a talented choreographer and just a genuinely nice person, and um, she's got these all these wonderful, continuous things happening at the same time, and I can't wait to talk about all of them. But first, Avi, like, where are you from? So that's always an interesting question. Um, Are you a military kid? No, 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 no. Um, I was born in New York. I was born in Manhattan. Get out. Yeah. I actually, my parents, uh, my grandparents insisted that I be born in Manhattan and not in Queens. My grandparents were very interested in making sure that I was born in Manhattan General Hospital. Um, That's really funny. So I have that going on, but I only lived in New York until I was three, and then I was moved to South Florida. And I was in South Florida until I was 18, and I went to college in Boston. So no one ever really knows where I'm from. And it's (laughs) one of those things where, like, I I don't really read as, like, a South Floridian at all anymore. And Mm. I've been up north now for, you know, over a decade. And so it just, you know. (laughs) Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) And how did, like, performing first come to you? Was it performing first and then other things kind of found you along the way? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I was always one of those kids who put on shows. I had a dinner theater when I was little. Stop it. Yeah, so... What was it called? Uh, no, it wasn't It wasn't called anything, but we used to, like, make musicals 
that of course I would direct, like all these people who wind up directing do. Um, but ours were really cool because they were dinner theaters and like we cooked all this whole meal and one was like a French themed one and we made all these recipes with like all the neighborhood kids and then we did like an Italian one and then like we wrote shows that were like sort of inspired by the menus. I mean like, which really like thinking about this, like we could really probably do this now and like people would come. But, <laughs> um, Add that to your plate. Yes, I should I should definitely yeah. start doing that you, too. You've not been very busy. No, no, not at all. Um but I yeah, we we did that and I I just I love old movie musicals. That's really like my I don't want to say as like a mature theater artist that that's my sole driving force because that starts to sound like lame. But <laughs> definitely like as a young kid, like I just wanted to be Fred Astaire. Like that's it, you know. And uh and Ann Miller, like and that's that's the thing, like there, there are two types of people, one of my very good friends says. Uh, the people that think Ann Miller is awesome and fabulous and the people that think Ann Miller is, like, frightening and scary. And um, she and I just agree to disagree. She thinks Ann Miller is, like, horrifyingly frightening, and I think she's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got, like, this old-school classical music that's just kind of just in your roots, in yeah, your soul. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was... As a child, I was this kid who just sat around listening to Gershwin and to Cole Porter and, um, you know, and to Irving Berlin. And I never, there was just never a time where I was, I was listening to contemporary music. So now I would say more than ever, I actually, like, explore more contemporary things as an adult. But as a child, I mean, I, like, only listened to great American songbook music. That's <laughs> it. And it was that music that made you want to get into theater. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was just, it was the whole shebang. Like, I mean, I wanted to, like, be in the Arthur Freed unit. Like, I just was like, this is what I have to go do. Um, and that's still, like, now, I mean, even I um, have been very fortunate to get to know Randy Skinner, and he's very um, much in that world as well. And so it, it's it's still something that I feel very compelled towards. Yeah, like, absolutely, like, that classic sort of Americana uh, thing. And musical theater, at what point were you able to name what it was for yourself? And it, and it's not, oh, I want to go into ballet, I want to go into... Yeah, yeah. Um, it was later than one would expect. There wasn't... Where I grew up in South Florida, there wasn't youth theater. Or if there was, I, I wasn't involved in it. And I, I am a dancer, I would say, like... I definitely started dancing probably around, like, 9 or 10. I saw Fred Astaire. I wanted to be Fred Astaire. I wanted to dance like him. But, you know, I got very disgruntled because we would have to go do, like, these competition dances, like, in the 90s. And I didn't want to be doing 90s competition dance. I wanted to be, like, in these old movies. And so... I think there wasn't really, like, theater for me to do as a child, but I was dancing, and I wanted that. And then I think around high school, I was able to, to finally start doing musical theater. And I was in a production of Funny Girl, maybe, when I was, like, I want to say I was maybe 15. Okay. And that was the first, like, big musical I was in. And I loved that. And so that, for me, was, was really was really wonderful and and i was like okay well this is just done yeah <laughs> funny girl was the first musical i ever saw was it really mm -hmm. what was it uh, uh on stage uh -huh. community theater looking glass playhouse in lebanon illinois uh my mom's friend was in the chorus and i was 10 that's amazing i don't remember much about it except there was roller skating 
and um, there was a bad guy <laughs> who sweat a lot. Like that's that's all I remember. <laughs> Have you seen the movie? Have you spent any time watching the Barbara? Film? No, no, what? they're gonna. They're going to take my card away. <laughs> How have but you not no. see, see the movie? It's really worth it. I will see it. I yeah. will see it. Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. No, it's not. Yeah, you can sit and watch Funny Girl on Netflix. Why, Why are you not doing I that? I know what I'm going to do after dinner. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I definitely went to see musical theater, and I, I knew that it was something that I really wanted, but I, I never really saw, I think... I, I never really saw an ability for me to just sort of go after it and into it until I was really in high school. It just, it, I was dancing, and that was kind of, you know, what it was. Yeah. yeah. So were you pursuing, like, ballet, jazz, and tap? Like the, oh, yeah. The big three? Like the, the whole studio thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did some nutcrackers. Uh-huh. I, I really, I've been dancing for a long time. I've been dancing for, you know, Something. We don't need to use numbers here. We don't need to use numbers here. That's great. But <laughs> I've been dancing for a long time, and I would say my my background is one of someone who really would go and have, like, a dance career. But I never, like, body type-wise and shape-wise, it just wasn't, I think, the thing that was going to be my my career. But yeah, I, I did do some ballets at a young age. I remember having the thought, I'm never going to be a ballerina. Um, but was like a, young. Was that, a, was that a sad thought? Yeah, I think it's always, I think it's a sad thought for every little girl when you like really have that conscious check-in, you know, that, that moment of self-consciousness when you look at your body and you look at your turnout and you look at your shape and you're like, and you see yourself compared to the other girls and you're like, okay, there's two girls in here who maybe could be in a professional corps de ballet. And they're not me. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, my my casting was spot on. Like the two girls in my in my dance studio who I thought would move on to that uh, did. So, you know, there good you go. good eye, good eye, good eye. Good eye. <laughs> well, um, but as you later learned, there was more that you could do that probably the rest of that class wasn't as. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've always sang. It's been interesting for me. I've worked very, very hard to be a good dancer. I did not work hard at all to be a good singer. So that's sort of been interesting about me and my background. And I... I do work at at singing, but it, it was something that came much more naturally to me, so... Uh, in your bio, you talked about uh, like respecting musical theater past, uh, and uh, so I was just curious: what about musical theater past in general do you, as an artist, think is important to preserve as the medium is moving forward? Oh my gosh! Um, I think the entertainment value is really important to make sure that even if you're telling contemporary stories, that you preserve some bit of of showbiz, like, je ne sais quoi, that there is that element of, like, we are putting on a show and we are doing this art form that has these big production numbers and these big dances. And and I think that that's really exciting to people. Um, And that the art form doesn't necessarily have to go to this place of only being these small chamber kind of things or only being serious musical theater. And I think there's ways in which you can use musical theater in a very, um, in like a very metaphysical kind of way to sort of 
you know, build off of kind of the things that if you see like all that jazz or something where Bob Fosse is able to take a movie like that and have these big production numbers that provide that kind of commentary. And I think you can do the musical theater thing without having to always just sort of be in it in a straight kind of way. And Mm -hmm. I think in that way it can be really exciting too. Do you think the art form is suffering from, from this contemporary we're going to sing like we're talking and not a lot of dance. I don't know that it's suffering suffering, but I think it could be it could blossom even more. And I think there are still, you know, lots of shows that that do use dance in a in a in a good way. Um do you but, think it's an economy thing as well? I mean, I know that I sometimes shy away from writing bigger things. Oh, absolutely. There's there's not a doubt in my mind. I mean, I think you go see a show on Broadway and there's still production numbers and mm-hmm. there's still, you know, I mean, anything you go see is, is pretty much going to still have a big production number in it. You go see Matilda, you go see Newsies, you see Kinky Boots, I mean, any of these shows. But you, you know, if you're writing a show and you're in a studio, like, you don't have money you don't have performers you don't have access to big dance space it's just challenging yeah yeah which is probably why something like the choreography lab came along i would assume yeah absolutely so talk to me about that now you you are the curator i am i love that word (laughs) why why did you find why did you choose that word you know we have joe barros to thank for that word (laughs) he absolutely made me the curator uh which is wonderful and joe is the artistic director of the new york theater barn and a wonderful guy absolutely hi joe hi joe has Joe been on this show? He has not. Oh my gosh, you should bring Joe on this show. I agree, I agree. Does he <laughs> sing? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. We'll make him. We'll make him we'll sing. We'll make you sing, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, curator. Yeah, so I'm the curator what of the... What does that mean? Well, you know, it, it, it means for that for me, we're going to be selecting and picking people to be part of the lab that overall are interested in in the lab's uh, aesthetic, the lab primarily serves a function to really help musical theater choreographers develop their storytelling abilities. And to that end, I think we want to make sure the people in the lab are choreographers that are working on telling stories. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely part of the curating thing. And that we're bringing people in who really respect the genre and are interested in sort of being in it for the long haul and trying to develop relationships for the long haul and not sort of being like fly-by-night kind of people. One of the main reasons I started the lab, actually, was I was putting a piece of very narrative-driven choreography into a showcase, and the other dancers there just couldn't get over the fact that my dancers were wearing heels. And... I just was like, that's what you're focusing on? Like, I spent all this time building this piece, and you just are focused on these dancers wearing shoes. And as opposed that's to, when like, I... character shoes. No, 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 no. They were wearing character shoes, but as opposed to just being barefoot, being, like, modern oh, barefoot I see. dancers. I see. And I was like, yes, my dancers are wearing shoes, and, you know, they're not just contracting. And like, <laughs> Martha Gramming. And- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was definitely, like, a little inspiration for me to be like, gee, I wish there was something where there were theater people watching this and they were okay with my dancers wearing shoes. <laughs> and so it was mostly shoes that made you create Absolutely, shoes. Yeah, just mm-hmm. down, just down shoes. the line. Is mm-hmm. that a rule? Everyone has to wear shoes? 
No, no, not necessarily. <laughs> we could have some barefoot dancers too, but it is an idea that we're not going to be dealing with um, very abstract dance unless it's abstract dance that really serves a greater piece uh, that's already been explained to the people at the lab. And how did New York Theatre Barn get involved? Uh, very organically. I started the lab in, I guess, October of 2013 was my first installation, and I produced that one on my own, and it was just a small sort of event in the studio, and I know uh, Jason from Prospect Theatre Company, and I didn't know Joe that well. I had met him, but Jason and Joe decided to come, and they just thought it would be a really wonderful fit for the theatre barn. They... uh, you know, they obviously do a ton of work with emerging composers at the yep. theater barn. Yeah. And Very they were, yeah. And they were talking to me about how it just would be so wonderful for their whole pool and network of composers already to meet all of these choreographers. Yeah. And, and again, that was one of the functions that I had really wanted the choreography lab to serve anyway. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is, this is fabulous. Like, of course. And like, while I'm happy and fine producing my own work and I feel comfortable driving projects, I certainly liked the idea of putting it under the umbrella of something that was already a 501c3, that already has a following, that already, you know, has a name recognition within the theater community. Absolutely. Like, it was it was a no-brainer to just sort of be like, okay, like, you want me to do this with you? Like, absolutely. <laughs> was it, like, nothing but relief? Or was there some, like control to it as well. There was a hair. There was a hair, but it definitely helped that, I mean, I've (laughs) known Jason now probably for about three years, and so we have, you know, a a nice working relationship where we know each other quite well, and I trust these guys, and I think that they're really wonderful people, and I I knew that they would only want the best for the programming anyway, and and we have really nice open lines of communication, so I didn't feel like it was going to be something where my baby got taken away from me. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to one. Uh, yes, the, you did. The last one. And it was so much fun. Like, I think I think every theater artist, uh, especially composers, would really benefit from, from witnessing these things because not only, you know, cause I, I think a lot of us uh, contemporary musical theater writers shy away from writing pieces that are dance-heavy because we don't have the space, and we yeah. don't, you know, so often it's just, like, me at my desk, and it's, I can't afford to even think about writing something that has movement. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was just, it was such a breath of fresh air. And to listen to uh, smart dancers talking in smart dancer dramaturgical language, and not really, it, it wasn't about me going to, like, give my two cents, even though I did, but you can... You know, you can just kind of go and just kind of like, you know, soak it in and watch people in their element, um, which is also your element. And it's, uh, I found it very, very exciting. And uh, it was a very diverse group of choreographers and dancers and you're meeting more people and there's time to network. And um, there's free wine. I was just about to say free wine. (laughs) (laughs) You had me at free wine. Um, Yeah, yeah. So how, how does the lab empower your work as a performer? I think as a performer, we often lack agency in New York City. And I think particularly, unfortunately, as a white female, there are just so many. And, you know, I live in so many different hats and I see, I see what it is. I see the men that get jobs versus the women that get jobs. And I see that the women can be so good and still not be working. And the men, you know, 
mostly if the men are talented, they get work here and there. And I'm not saying that means that every man makes it. Of course not. But, um, you know, I just I really have seen over the last five years of living in New York City, just amazingly talented women quit the business because they just never had a break. And it's just how it sort of goes. And I think um, developing this project for me, you know, has really let me uh, have some of that agency back. Uh, and I think that that serves for a lot of the other projects I work on. But I think the lab in particular, I've always had aspirations of really trying to affect the musical theater community at large and really trying to make sure that I've made some sort of imprint on it. And I think as people get to know me and my whole sort of package that I have to offer, then they sort of find out, oh, and she performs a little bit too. Maybe, uh, maybe should we should maybe we should see her do something. And uh, yeah, so I think yeah, it, it has been nice to just sort of let people get to know me and know that I'm a, I'm I'm a smart thinker kind of person. I will stand out for you in a rehearsal, not necessarily because I'm the most talented performer you've ever worked with, but because I think I do a good job of, of processing artistically what it is that other people want. So You now always have something to talk about as far as people are like, you know, what are you working on? What are you doing? I mean, as a, as a writer, that's kind of all we have is like, what are you working on? Mm-hmm. As a performer, um, I assume it's, it's exciting to kind of go into the room kind of already like self-employed in a way. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say <coughs> I I just I, I would say that that's that's absolutely true. Like I just wound up with a big job that I will be going and uh, doing in the fall that we'll just keep silent for now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very exciting. It, it is exciting. Um but when I was running through, I was in final callbacks, and I was running through my piece with an accompanist who knows of my work as a director and a choreographer and the curator of the lab. And he said to me after I ran through the piece, he said, you know, you have so much going on in the city, I bet now is when you're going to wind up booking this thing anyway. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it is. It is nice to sort of to walk into an audition room and not feel like the quiet desperation. <laughs> <laughs> that we're all familiar with. Right, right. How important is it that choreographers have a safe space like the lab? Like, did you find this missing in musical theater? Oh, my gosh. Tremendously. Tremendously. Musical theater choreographers in New York City get so few breaks. And even once they do get those breaks, they become so incredibly high stakes. I think having an opportunity to show a producer your work or a potential director that you might want to work with your work without having to invite them to a full production uh, is really, really important. And I also think it's really important to be able to invite people to see your work uh, out of context. I think as a choreographer, sometimes you lose agency in such a heartbreaking kind of way. Like you'll work on a show and you'll put all of this energy into it, but maybe you'll work with a director who then has a different vision for the show and then all of the sudden the choreography doesn't shine in the way that maybe you wanted it to and then all of the sudden that piece no longer becomes something that you feel good about showing to the world and and trying to network off of and I think that this gives you a really great controlled environment that's low stakes but also well controlled that you can bring people into and say hey this is this thing I've been working on this is this thing that says x y or z about how I choreograph hire me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about how um, the lab does that for people. And I really hope it, it launches relationships and careers and projects for people. That would me, that would bring me such joy. The lab was also really great, um, like listening to like the feedback and stuff like mm-hmm. that. What kind of feedback do you encourage and what kind of feedback do you discourage? And like who, who leads that? Like does every choreographer kind of come in saying, here's what I'm asking for? Or um, how does that work? Yeah, we do like the choreographers to come in and sort of set things up for themselves so that in that way they um, they get to say, like, this piece is something I've worked on for three months, or this is something I threw together with some dancers but wanted to show anyway. Um, and that lets us sort of set the tone of what the feedback is going to be. Um, and I do like it when the dancer, uh, when the choreographer asks the questions and lets the um, feedback bounce off of that. And I'll do a little moderating from time to time if mm-hmm. I feel like things are getting off track or going to a not totally positive or, you know, constructive kind yeah, of place. Yeah, when things start getting uh, uh, prescriptive instead of... Yeah. yeah. The lab focuses on storytelling yes. and choreography. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I talked a little bit earlier about just, you know, me at my desk writing a piece... And um, it's hard to trust, for me, it's hard for me to trust movement on a page. Uh-huh. So I guess, because you've worked with some new musicals as well. I have. And yes. so have you ever come across a moment where you're like, oh, that whole scene or that whole song, that we, we can serve that so much better with just a gesture or, or, or a piece of dance or something? Um, because I'm basically talking about overwriting. Sure, of course. And I think that that's a place where collaborations between writers and choreographers earlier on in the process can be so wonderful. And I think you wind up sometimes with these musicals that that do overwrite, that, you know, you put the people on stage together and you start having physicality between them and having them either dance or having them, you know, be physical in different ways. And that, yeah, the storytelling is like, you know, if if you're on top of someone, you don't need to say I love you in that way. I mean, it's just sort of, it's, it's, it's overkill. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've been working on a piece of mind to Helen back with Roy Leitner, who's a very talented choreographer. Mm-hmm. And um, his input from the get-go has been just tremendous um, because I'm not overriding that piece. I mean, yeah. Um, hopefully that piece will be on its feet in some shape or form in the near future, and then we can actually start seeing if the movement that we both, like the promise of movement on the page, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see it um, come to fruition. What has surprised you in the lab? I would say overall the level of engagement from the audience across the board at each of the labs has been phenomenally surprising and each time I go to a lab I like wonder to myself maybe it was a fluke the last one or maybe it was a fluke the one before that, <laughs> a good fluke that or people a bad fluke. no a great fluke a wonderful fluke I'm like maybe I don't know people are going to just sort of sit and like throw popcorn this next time and but people are so engaged and they are so just really receptive to trying to think uh, provocatively about the work and to try to make it better. Um, People have just been all in all really um, supportive and really just great in the audience part of it. I would say that's been the most surprising thing to me, which is a great surprise. It's a wonderful surprise. Uh, Do you hear consistent notes um, in every lab? I think it's the note that we all get that I think... I think it's the note of clarity. I think just making sure that the choices are clear. 
And I think um, something that's come up a few times with different dancers is just making sure that in addition to, you know, executing the movement that that the facial choices are clear, that making sure that, like, the acting on top is also working in conjunction with uh, the storytelling of the dance movement, which is something that, you know, sometimes is not applied as much unless you're really, you know, doing musicals. So you've held a couple of these labs now, and you've seen yes. several different pieces, mm-hmm. um, all theater-inspired, theater-influenced. Yes. Um, are you seeing any trends in, like, different dance moves if you're like, oh, my God, if I see one more switch leap, I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, the pieces have actually been pretty varied, I would say, in terms of what's come in. I mean, we've ha- we've been primarily working with, like, theater jazz, I would say, and it's been sort of all over the gamut of, of theater jazz. Uh, I'm hoping in the fall to do a lab that is uh, predominantly tap dance. So awesome. check it out when it happens. We'll announce that. Um, and maybe now is a time to talk about our special lab. Are we yeah. going to talk about our special at, yes, lab? I wasn't yeah. sure. No, like. <laughs> no. Let's se- seg away. Okay, wonderful. Well, the next lab that we're having on July 22nd is going to be very exciting, not only because it's exciting in general, but because we are actually featuring the work of our lovely host today. Uh, <laughs> you are. Well, yes, we are. We're doing something very interesting uh, where we are going to take one song from To Helen Back. And we are going to have four choreographers take the same song and set it in four different ways. So they're going to each be inspired to choreograph it in their own style. And I am going to do one, too. I know! I'm <laughs> I so know. excited. I'm excited, too. I have to start working on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's next, after this this Amelia Earhart thing. That's true. I'm, I am so excited, because um, yeah. like I was talking about earlier, I just I haven't had the opportunity to see my pieces move that much. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, you know, music stands and, you know, if you have a, you know, just I'm hoping I have a drum. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of of it. Yeah. I know I'm going to learn a lot Mm -hmm. and um, I'm sure it'll be a educational experience for all. Yeah. I've never seen something like this happen in New York. So I think it's really exciting. I mean, I can't think, and I mean, I've been looking for it, so I can't think of any time where I've seen for like emerging musical theater choreographers set a musical theater number four different ways in like an evening. Like, yeah. I think it's just going to be really cool. It will be July 22nd, as I've said. We are not sure on the space yet. We're talking to a few places that we may or may not use instead of just a traditional studio. Cool. Um, but that information will all be available on the New York Theater Barn webpage and on my personal webpage. And that's free. Yes. The lab is free. We really want this to continue to be a free event, and there's really no reason why it shouldn't be. Um, The last lab, we passed around a little jar, and we wound up totally covering the rehearsal space, and that was terrific. Um, Any extra money just went to the New York Theater Barn to continue to make sure our wine is free and to, you know, continue obviously supporting the theater barn and everything that they do. But we think it's really important. I think there are a lot of chances where... As young directors or young choreographers, we work on pieces and we want people to come so badly, but we run out of comps and all of a sudden you can't get that, you know, producer there that you really wanted because there's no more comps for them and they won't give you an industry comp. And this this is just free across the board. So if you have somebody that you really have wanted to show your work, you have an opportunity to just bring them into the studio and show them your work. And so if anyone is interest, interested in either... 
participating or just attending or hooking up with a choreographer as mm-hmm. you know not sexually but as a dancer <laughs> I mean um, what, <laughs> what do they need to do I mean maybe sexually I mean if sure I don't know if it happens hey I don't know I mean I, that would be great then I could write about that at my at my blog love at the choreography lab <laughs> would be weird um, you need to just email me at choreolab at mytheaterbarn.org I think they're Shoot. an org. I think they're an org too. There's so many things you're up to. It's obnoxious. Um, talk to me. You just you just name dropped your own blog, uh, the Strategic Artist. Yes. I mean, just the premise of it alone sounds like something that we should all be reading. Yeah, of course. Um, so I I didn't include this in my bio because I don't like to to talk about this in my theatrical bio, but in my day life. I own a small sales and marketing company that I started in 2011. and Impact Demonstrations. Impact Demonstrations, yes. And it has nothing to do with theater, except I do wind up employing a lot of actors and dancers to hand out, like, fancy organic skincare. Um, and through that business, I really have had the ability to leverage my time to create, like, a really nice um, synchronistic kind of schedule for myself. And it's allowed me to have the ability to work on so many different projects. People often ask me, like, how are you working on so many things? And it's because I fit work in in ways that, you know, if I were working in a restaurant, it just would be impossible. You know, people, like, I would have a shift that had to be at a certain time and I would have to not do certain projects or not go to certain auditions or, you know, all of the things that we do. So, um... I, I've, I've had some success with this. And so at a certain point, I sort of just said, you know, I, I really should start a blog where I, I talk about um, time management and money management and passive income and being able to kind of uh, continue to be an artist. There's this in-between place that I think is so difficult as an artist. If you really fail, it's clear. And then there's obviously, like, hitting the big time and you're on Broadway and everything's great and you have a production contract and good, fabulous. <laughs> um, but, like, that in-between place where, like, things are going well-ish and you are making connections with people and people take you seriously and you, and you can tell that, you know, you are receiving, like, positive feedback. But you maybe you're not quite making enough money or you're not, you know, feeling like comfortable and you're not feeling like you've really like made it. And I know people say you never feel like you've made it even, you know, this, that or the other. But I think there is this real in-between place where you do have to be so um, editorial and you do have to be so strategic with what you do or else it, it can make or break you. It's like those choices that you make when you're in that place have the ability to really change what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's like it's the stupid stuff, but it's like the difference between like not having that Starbucks every day so that you have that extra $100 so that when you're in that final callback, you can pay for the coach. Like it's just like thinking about the big picture in that way is really, really important. The strategicartist.com mm-hmm. uh, is your blog. And how often do you blog on average? Oh, that's a great question. I would say I, I'm aiming to post maybe two or three times a week. Sometimes there That's are really less. That's really good. Yeah, it's it's good when I do it. I would say I would say it happens two or three times a week. Like not all the time, though. I would say 
you know, maybe if there's if there's eight posts a month, I'm happy. If I get twice a week, I'm happy. Yeah. So. And that's a free website. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like all <laughs> this free advice, free choreography, free. Yeah, it's it's amazing that it. anything is happening. When it, I it's. <laughs> If you want me to sell fancy cream for you, though, I'm very expensive. That's the secret. Okay. Well, there yes, we go. That's the secret. Uh, you're also before before we um, start getting to um, the quiz because there's the quiz mm-hmm. and the song. Uh, you're also you, you've also created a new piece of theater called Ephemera. Yes. Talk to me about that. Of course, Ephemera is a really cool collaboration between myself and Alden Terry who is a brilliant composer Uh, we met doing a production a few years back but he came to see some dance of mine and was just like we should create something and Ephemera is going to be a site specific piece of theater dance choreography that will take place hopefully in different bars and restaurants all around New York City and we are hoping that uh, it's going to be about 45 minutes and it explores uh, it explores sexual and romantic relationships all through uh, music and dance it's a fusion of like theatrical dance and modern dance it's a fusion of different forms of music. We're using some like electronica. We're using some more tango and swing inspired things. But it is a crazy project, and it's either going to be amazing or it's going to be that time that we did that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but we're really hoping it's going to be amazing. I'm gonna, I'm hoping it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you're you're crowdfunding right now. We are crowdfunding right now. We have another. I think, week or so left on our campaign. Okay. So it is on Indiegogo. If you look for Ephemera on Indiegogo, okay. that would be lovely. There's a great video you can watch, too. It's really I've fun. I've seen the video. It's very cool. It's fun. It's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, now comes the time where um, I started doing these quizzes in my uh, in my uh, interviews. And um, sometimes they have something to do. Some, sometimes they're relevant and sometimes they're not. And this is not one of those relevant times. Oh, my gosh. Um, so... So you curate a choreography lab, and I found a web. I found a, qu- a quiz on lab safety. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of this crosses over with um, with lab choreography safety. lab. <laughs> oh gosh! This is your 10, 10 uh, lab safety questions brought to you by FunTrivia.com. Are you ready? I'm ready. I never read these quizzes in advance, but, so it's it's fun. <laughs> it's fun because I say it's fun. Um, all right, lab safety. Question number one. Are you ready? I'm ready. True or false? Long hair must be secured to the back of your head. True. I think we find out at the end. Okay. Uh, what things do you need to wear before beginning any laboratory exercise? Safety apron or a lab coat? Gloves? Goggles or all of the above? Let's go with all of the above. That sounds like a good safe answer. I know goggles for sure. Right? Uh, Question three. What should you do if a glass breakage occurs? Immediately contact your teacher. Leave it where it is without telling anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Run out of the classroom or touch it to see if it is safe. I'm going to go with A. I think that's a wise... Even if that's the wrong answer, that is the right answer. Yeah. I feel it here. I feel it there, too. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I really like leave it where it is without telling anyone. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a motto. Uh, question four: What should you maintain in your lab work area? A clean, tidy workspace, chemicals spread all around you, a messy <laughs> workspace, or lots of food and drink. A. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, this quiz is maybe a little easier than it's I thought little, it was going to be. I'm a little disappointed <laughs> in this quiz. I thought it was going to be really hard. Yeah. It's, it's not that No, hard. this is, we're doing just fine. Yeah, good, good. Um, question five. Uh -huh. What should you do if a flame from a burner leaps out of the burner towards you? <laughs> Get out of the way and turn the gas off immediately. Touch the flame to see how hot it is. <laughs> <laughs> Touch it with your finger to turn off the fire. <laughs> Or none of these. Again, I'm going to go with A. I think that's a good answer. Has it been A this whole time? Almost. 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 We'll see. All right. True or false? Always point to a test tube or bottle that is being heated towards you and others. It's like, so like aim the heated test tube at others. Uh, false. Why would you want to do that? Right? Right? Oh my goodness, funtrivia.com. <laughs> Question seven. If you are heating a liquid, what should you never do? <laughs> Heat the liquid in an open container. Add boiling chips to the container. Heat the liquid in a closed container. Or all of these. You should never do any all of these. All of these. Okay. Number eight. What should you never do? I am saying because never is in all caps. What should you never do if you have a if you have a heated container? If you have heated a container. Okay. Test its temperature. Pick up the container with your hand. Pick up the container with a clamp. Or all of these. B. B test its temp uh pick up the container with your hand. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, don't yeah. do it. Never. Question <laughs> nine. Never uh, true or false. Never heat a chemical unless instructed to do so. True. <laughs> and question number ten, what should you never do in the lab? <laughs> Play practical jokes on people. Okay. Run while holding a beaker with chemicals. <laughs> Mess around with your friends. <laughs> All of these. I think, Joel, the answer is D. All, All of, of these. these. Oh my god. Let's see, did we get... Alright, here we go, how'd submitting we our answers. How'd we do? Loading, loading... Wait, we got one wrong! We got one wrong! Question seven. If you were heating a liquid, what should you never do? And the correct answer was not all of these. The correct answer was never heat the liquid in a closed container. Oh. Never, never, never heat a closed container because the expanding gases produce. Well, yeah, of course, because it yeah. could make it blow up. But why would you yeah. want to heat a liquid in, an, in a completely open, open container either in a lab? Wouldn't that make it maybe, wouldn't you want it to be like open but with like a, yeah. some sort of like escape hatch for the gases or? We should look into this. This is, this I, is faulty. This I is, don't know. Okay, but I mean, we, we got a. We did good. Nine out of ten. That's not bad. Not bad. Well, that was fun. That was fun. So now, if um, if you ever have, like, a lab-specific thing, I mean, like, this is... Then I know. Like, this is learning all over Absolutely. the place. Absolutely. And it's all about it's, it's all about the journey. Yeah. Can I give one more little plug that yeah. we didn't talk about? Yes. I'm also directing a short musical in the West Village Music Theater Festival. Oh, right. In Series A. It's called Final Approach. 
and uh, it's going on starting on June 19th, and then we have four performances over the course of like 10 days at the West Village Music Theater Festival. Oh, so that's, terrific. that's coming up as well. Congratulations. We, we didn't get to that one. But no, just too, too, many, too things. many things. Too many things. Yeah. And if they want to find out more about that, what's the... The best thing to do, because I am doing so many projects and because I have so many contacts, is to visit my website. And it's just my last name. It's asuleen.com. A-S-U-L-E-E-N. And you'll find everything there. So if you're interested in the lab, if you're interested in the crowdfunding campaign, if you're interested in the West Village Music Theater thing, all the information is there. Uh, well, now comes the time where we set up the song. Oh. Uh, yeah. So uh, Avi was kind enough to learn and perform I've Only Moments to Spare, which is from my musical McKinsey and the Missing Boy. And it was such a pleasure to hear you on this piece. Like it, oh, I think it really you. fits you very, very nicely. Oh, so thank you. For yeah, that. it was so much fun. It was such a gift. <laughs> uh, let's see, accompanied by Josh Kite, who I just met. He's super nice, mm-hmm. and um, you should all work with him as well. And um, it's definitely a song that's been requested quite a bit uh, in my uh, time here. Uh, and this song will be included, thusly, in my first digital songbook, uh, which is expected to be released also in the fall. Oh, cool. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm picking like 20, 20 to 30 songs, uh, guy solos and girl solos. Wonderful. And um, it's going to be available for free download online. Oh, cool. And so, you know, it'll, it's going to be available in the fall, just in time for school, you college kids. <laughs> you know, get your get your teachers involved. And, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a really fun... Um, mix of all the different projects that I've worked on and, and am working on and I've Only Moments to Spare is one of those. Uh, remember, if you like I've Only Moments to Spare, it's available for free download on my SoundCloud page that is until the next episode. And if you'd like to request sheet music, you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF or you can wait till the songbook comes out. Uh, be sure to download Something New Volume 1 for free on noisetrade.com. Tips are donated to the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. And while you're there, feel free to click on the PayPal donate link on the podcast page. Any and all contributions go toward production costs and are supremely appreciated. Uh, visit Avi's websites, which are asuline.com and thestrategicartist.com. Uh, make sure you like uh, the Choreography Lab page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash thechoreographysalon. Uh, subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast and tell your friends all about it. Uh, special thanks today to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, Stephanie Layton at Red Scandal Graphics, Colleen Spencer at True Voice Studios, and today's accompanist, Josh Kite. And last but not least, Avital Asuline. Thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> uh, from True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle, this is Joel B. New. And Avital Asuline. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
sing a swell chanson. I've something more handsome for you. I've always